In this episode, Rahul Goal, VP of Finance at Mogulix, talks about the importance of agility for CFOs, how to leverage technology within finance, and why the best CFOs are fearless with their views. Hi, I'm Ross, and this is the CFO Playbook. Each week, you'll get insights from world-class financial leaders to help you grow your company, yourself, and face the challenges required of today's CFO. Rahul, thank you for joining us on the show today. It's a pleasure meeting you, Ross. So Rahul, you are obviously VP of Finance at one of the most impressive scale-ups in Asia and in, in India in particular. And so obviously you're in this leadership position now, but you've had a long career that's covered multinationals and various uh, startups as well along the way. And before we jump into your experience and your thoughts as a CFO, can you give us a brief understanding of your journey and how you ended up being VP of Finance at Moglix? I'm a chartered accountant by profession. Done my graduation from Shriram College, which is one of the prestigious college of India. After that, I joined a Bharti Group company, which is not right now called Mahindra Kombiva, which was a startup at that point of time. Worked for almost six years, become a controller. Started my journey as a trainee and becoming a controller in six years' time was a dream come true. Then I joined Motorola and Nokia as part of my journey. For There I spent another six years. As part of my journey there, I learned how an MNC or a large-scale organization behaves so that I can apply the same thing when I joined again my startup, which is my love of my life practically. So I joined a company called Shopclues, which is which became a unicorn, but did not had a fairytale exit, but it was, uh, we were able to sell that company to a company called Q10 in Singapore. And I joined Moglix working for as a VP finance for the last couple of years. So then if we focus on, on Moglix, uh, you joined, as you said, like the last couple of years. And of course, you've been leading them through an incredible period of growth. And you've just closed uh, this year an amazing funding round, which had, in fact, actually Moglix in itself, in its history, had some really top tier, you know, world-class investors. So what has that experience at Moglix been like for those past couple of years, especially given everything that's happened in the world and, of course, all this growth that's happened for Moglix as a company? I will say the journey has been enriching and learning every day. That's how I think about the journey at Moglix. So last couple of years, the world has seen COVID, first wave and then second wave hitting us. But the way at least I think about Moglix is because you are trying to build company with strong fundamentals we are we are able to uh, weather the storm and we are able to grow year on year which has been a tremendous achievement for ourselves when i say growth in year on year we are talking about 3x 4x kind of growth we are not talking about 10 percent 5 percent kind of growth we are talking about so it's a 3x growth over last year what we 3x to 4x growth we which we are able to achieve over last year that's how that journey has been so every day you learn, get up and learn new things. But at the same time, how you can contribute toward the organization goal, you have to think from that perspective. As a leader within Moglix, trying to navigate, of course, the pandemic and all of the uncertainty, how did you approach that? And how did you ensure that the team were engaged and motivated and, and had a sense of purpose during a very challenging time? At Moglix, what we feel is 
every day practically we were able to i will say help people navigate during these difficult times like we were able to say for example in the first wave of pandemic we were able to supply ppe items across the world in different countries and try to help people and even in the second wave we were able to try to do an oxygen concentrator in india and make a revenue share corporate sharing model we came out with and help the people to make sure that people are able to optimally utilize the resources what we have which were scarce in nature so we tell our people that we are trying to help the society at large during these difficult times as well so how you can be also a part of that and contribute towards the organization and the society as a goal that's how we are able to motivate people around this and how did the team how did your team respond to those initiatives because there are they're amazing, really, really powerful, especially the well, both PPE, but also the what the one around oxygen. That was, and I know you know from having read about it, such an acute problem in India during that second wave. So, how did the team respond? The team became aware about the importance of making sure that everyone, including finance and everybody, stand up and say that we how we can contribute back. Like, if you have to make payments to the suppliers to make sure that the payments are going on time people are being provided with adequate resources including the pp items we make sure that uh, people are able to contribute towards the society at large that's a clear message what we tell our team because if we are able to save and provide say one oxygen concentrator we may save hundreds of lives because it may be used for sharing purposes by other people as well that's the way thought process we incorporate in our team and that's how we were able to navigate these difficult times. So we try to engage and make sure that as a team, we have rev- regular reviews. We talk about people health, people family as well, how their their fa- immediate family beings are doing. So I'm saying it's a, not only about work, it's about how people get engaged for overall contributions towards the society at large and talking about their personal needs, their emotional needs, as well as their financial needs are being taken care of. It was an incredibly unique time and challenging time, but the, when you hear stories of that, stories like that, they're really powerful. Within Soldo, like we we had something similar where we were looking, I think so many companies, most people were looking for a way to contribute. Uh, and we, we found a way to contribute, which was about the the disbursement of cash of funds to uh, at-risk and vulnerable families in Italy. And I, I can hear from what you're saying and, and the way that people back behind it and almost it transcends work and transcends the business because you've got a sense of purpose to, to actually see how you can contribute, even in, in a small way at a very challenging time. It really it resonates with me. Absolutely, Ross. So it's about how you can give back to society at large, whether you tie up with NGO, whether you work extra hours to make sure that you are able to support the good cause what company is trying to achieve. I think that's the way the culture of the organization has been built up. CFO is, and, and VP of Finance is a senior role. It has a huge amount of responsibility. There are, like, there are so many different things you need to do. And so time is at a premium. And of course, you're working in a company and at a stage of company that has to move incredibly quickly. So before you've commented on the importance of agility, in particular for finance leaders and CFOs. So can you talk more about your view on, on the importance of agility? Agility is a key in the current scheme of things. When I look at 
traditional companies versus new age company if you don't become a child practically you will become and hit by something which is come become unknown to you for example i have read about the kodak story which happened in 1997 they were selling millions and making millions of top line and suddenly digital camera hit and they have they become bankrupt similarly uh, if you're not agile like so there are different stories or different failure stories where you can look and read and learn from by if if you're not agile what can come and hit you if you got unguarded practically this becomes a which if you are not able to adapt to the technology space i think that's the biggest mistake what you will do as a finance leader or any kind of leadership if you think from that perspective i will say that agility making sure that whatever you think about or whatever is the numbers you are looking at has to be correctly reported and and timely reported including the risk of what you can see are appropriately highlighted at the right point of time rather than saying that this is something which you got unguarded basically and how do you encourage that agility the speed the adaptability within your own team we feel that the cyclical uh, the routine things needs to be automated basically with the help of technology when you think from a technology perspective that if you have to get say an aging report or a, whether it's an ar report or a ep report or a payments how you can make sure that you can use te- use the help of technology to scale up your operations rather than worry about those things compared to somebody doing it manually with an error which processes do you try and automate through the use of technology i would say any kind of reporting mechanism any kind of validations things what you can do through the help of technology you take use of technology to integrate like if you have to make a bank payment why you require a payment file to be uploaded in a bank statement for example when you can do an api integration through your with the help of technology similarly if you have to make to system talk again you why you have to download a report and take out and publish it separately when you can make write an sql report to publish it through an automated technology your time and energy should be more spent on analyzing those reports rather than making those reports for example absolutely and this is a a theme that so many finance leaders like you emphasize again and again is what matters is not the creation but the interpretation of of what it says and what it means and what we should do about it do you also have and did you also have that strong technological background and knowledge or is that something you've actually had to develop over the course of your career ross i have been fortunate that i have been working for technology company for last 20 years so when i say whether it was part of my telecom career or part of the e-commerce career what i have built over last two decades majority of my time has been spent with technology team so the way i always think about technology is the technology is there always there to help you rather than take away jobs my philosophy always is how you can up level your skill set through use of technology again when i say technology technology is trying to build the logic in a computerized way so if you are saying that if you are doing even you are working on an excel for example as a professional still you are using technology to build that logic of in excel or writing some formulas in excel so whether you write yourself those formulas and do it once 
and let the technology do it for you again and again. That's the way I think about technology, I will say. Again, is that something when you're thinking about your team and, and even not just the team you have, but the, the new people that you're hiring and bringing into the team, because I'm sure it's growing. Do you look for that type of attitude or those types of skills in people that you hire? Definitely. The way I always think about people when I look to hire is always look at their attitude towards how they think about problem solving things. If you can't put 100 people's for solving a problem which can be solved through a technology problem so unless you think from that perspective from your attitude and your your thinking ability towards solving that problem is by putting more resources then you are a no for me for example i will not hire that person but if you can think about temporarily you are using a resource to solve that for you and you how you can scale up the business using the help of technology I think that's the person will be able to scale up much higher in his career or he in his her, or her career, I would say. And then if you're thinking about the, the technologies that are on the horizon or the ones that you've not had the opportunity at Mogulix to implement yet, which one excites you most that the opportunity to, to implement within your company, within your team? The way I think about technologies, technology is used everywhere. For example, I need to look at more strategic things beyond compliances practically. And technology solutions should automate automate our daily repetitive tasks and save time. I don't have a favorite tool which I can look at or tell you about. Reason being different circumstances will like you to have different use of different tools required at a different point of time. But what I look at any point of time at a tool when I'm looking at it, it should be flexible, integ- integratable, and consistent across various platforms what the company is using. And if I look back two years of my decades, two, two decades of my experience practically, I have seen that technology has evolved over a period of time from people trying to have Excel learning versus now writing SQL, from SAP to BI tools, which people tried, are trying to use. So the process and technology can practically gives an extra edge because the data sciences has come in whenever you are trying to implement any solution to look at integrated approach rather than multiple software being implemented and trying to and try to do a reconstruction between different software tools what you are implemented i think that's the worst use of your time and anybody's time often the debate is that do you go for best of breed or do you go for one solution that covers it all and I think for any leader like you and, and especially um, technology IT leaders, that's often the debate in their mind. There's no best solution for any given problems because the problems in the in a startup world or any one matured world keeps on changing. Like if you don't do changes, the government will implement any change which will have an impact on your technology. So there's no best solutions in class Ross, the way I think about technology. The way I think about it is there is a problem in hand and what is the next four, five years or three to five years of at least the solution what you are looking for from a problem solving perspective and whether that solution what you are trying to implement is scalable to make sure that you don't have to re-implement the same solution with another software service provider one year down the line or two years down the line. That's the way I think about implementing any software tool practically. You mentioned they're uh, scalable and, and that, of course, again, in your context, because you are growing so rapidly, you mentioned earlier, multiples uh, every single year in terms of your growth. 
So that was a big part of what has led to your success and, of course, underpinned your last funding round. So given that you, I know you've done a lot with fundraising in the past and working with investors, did you see anything change in the type of investor demands or the way that you interacted with investors in the middle or towards the end of the pandemic versus what it was like before the pandemic? My two cents on this is people are looking at scalable businesses, which they were earlier looking as well. The second thing is people are more focused on unit economics, which means that are you burning money at what scale you are burning money and what is the long-term value of customers what you are trying to create. So the other thing which I can think about from my experience is instead of only looking at business uh, financial KPIs, I think as a finance leaders, people should start looking at business KPIs as well. Otherwise, the problem what investors look for will not be able to solve for those problems or the unit economics or the business KPIs like cohorts, customer cohorts, supplier cohorts, by a customer should, what are your modes? You will not be able to answer those kind of questions. Which other business KPIs do you, do you think that, that really matter and that finance leaders should be tracking beyond the, the core financial metrics that they would have done traditionally? See, the way I think about it is each business will have different KPIs. For example, if you look at the online business, the online business will have negative working capital cycle, for example, versus a B2B business, which will have a positive working cycle and how you are able to mitigate or reduce that working capital cycle as well. Similarly, in online business, the traffic, how you will bring visitors, for example, will be different and the, what kind of quality of visitors are coming will be very different from uh, how you sell to a B2B customer. So I'm just trying to give you a correlation in, in relation to Moglex. So I will say the different businesses have to come up with their different KPIs. It's not only about financial KPIs. I will say it's how you deeply understand business as a finance leader becomes more and more important. So enabling business becomes more and more important rather than only thinking about controlling or publishing numbers, I would say. How do you and your team partner with the rest of the business when it comes to identifying those business KPIs and, of course, more importantly, running the business? The business team need to understand you are working with them to solve the business problem rather than thinking about you are trying to mitigate the business. So when I look at the businesses or my team looks at the business, so they look at how on a long-term basis we can help the business to grow in terms of which customers are good paying, what are their needs, what are the margin improvement initiatives which we can drive with the help of business, what with the help of sourcing team or with the help of business team by either increasing the price of the customer or by reducing their cost. We work very closely with businesses so, so in order to make sure that people feel that we are working as a cohesive team rather than working in silos, I would say. And presumably, when it comes to those initiatives and activities you mentioned there, a huge proportion of that is underpinned by data and your team providing the insights from that data. Is that correct? That's totally correct. The way it has changed over years, I will say, instead of a data provider, you have to become an information provider. Across. That's the way I think about finance function. So if you are only presenting data and leave it to the ability of uh, service provider or the recipient to absorb it, different recipient will absorb in a different phase. 
so our job as a finance leaders or as a finance professional becomes very important how you we can make the data into information which is consumable by each person in a similar way that's the way i think about presenting a data or information to any of my recipient you're alluding to the fact that there's been a change that there, at one point it was just you know provide the data crunch the numbers and then you move on whereas now you're trying to offer interpretation of that to your teams and your partners around the business how else have you seen the the finance team and the role of finance evolve over the course of your career i have been fortunate to work with around 30 people both 30 managers i will say both direct and indirect and everyone has different leadership style so some will come at 6 o'clock asking for a report while some will have their lunch at 4 and 5 and some was smart enough to put in their calendar at 1:30 to 2 is my lunch practically ross so i am saying so there there were different managers and different people who have guided my career if i look back at my career only one thing which i found consistent is there there was always organization first then how they make an organization goals and how they make their blueprint and measure those kpis and report where they are failing and try to improve those so those if i look at all my leaders or whom i learned from these are the four things i think if i look back i learned from each one of them and say that how we can make sure that and our founder rahul gurg is philosophical of this practical approach of that also also that how you can make sure that these things are become more measurable how you can define those things and try to make sure that we are able to leverage that if you think about your role as a vp of finance and then maybe you think of your some of your earliest bosses the and the and mentors that you've had are the demands that are on you today different to the you believe the demands that they had say 10 15 20 years ago yes so the earlier the demands were more about how you can report your numbers and act in silos i will say that you have provided your information right now now the it has more collaborative approach which people follow at least that's way i think about from a leadership perspective and that the same thing people are looking forward in downwards the in downward teams as well like if there is a business finance function there is a fpna function in my team he is directly working with not only with me and they will be working closely with the business teams as well and understand that what problem they are facing rather than only try to push finance point of view i think over last few years the the business have more come into more collaborative approach and because the data sanity is more there rather than it's available at with all the business people at all the time the transparency in data provide provision and the source of being truth being consistent i think will help to come up the bridge between the finance numbers as well as the what business team think about a theme that you've mentioned in the past is the importance of of you and any other cfo holding a a mirror up to the company you know like managing all of the people and all the stakeholders and, and really uh, being an advisor to the, the ceo can you speak a little bit more about them what it means to hold a mirror up to the organization ethics and honesty of a financial person should reflect in two ways one is co- communication and collaboration with the all the stakeholders what they manage and communication is becomes a key and ingredient uh, element for this our job as finance professional i will say is to count peanuts for example if there are 10 peanuts 
which is there in the basket we should say these are 10 peanuts which are available we can't say it's 9 or 11 when i say holding mirror to the management or holding we should become fearless when we talk about numbers or our interpretation and if there are mistakes we should be open to admit our mistakes as well but at the same time i will say our job is to make sure that we highlight what is going right in the company and what is not going right as per finance team and business team can come up with their versions as well saying that these are the reasons for which these things were not right and we how we can work together with business team to make sure that next time those things which were not, not coming right gets uh, not repeated next next month and how we can improvise in the next cycle and make sure that we are a come with flying colors as an organization i would say on that point of being fearless i like that expression becoming fearless when you're talking about what's happening in the business and certainly the the numbers aspect have you always had that attitude that comfort with being fearless or is that something that you had to develop i will say if you are joining a finance field you need to become fearless reason being there will be times like business team will say that money will come in and give me the credit limit for example for doing the sales so if you are not fearless you will give the credit limit to a person which is which may be going bankrupt for example so the business team will have their own demands and everybody has their own motto but being fearless does not mean that you question everybody or and you when you say fearless you believe what you are saying is correct then you don't have to be afraid of something telling the truth to anybody saying that this is why i am not because at the end of day you are working for the organization and protecting money from any kind of financial risk becomes your obligation towards your job fearless does not mean you go and fight with everybody fearless means what you feel based on your interpretation of financials of the people and what you are saying being truthful to your job and reporting correct numbers you mentioned it towards the end there the in the way that you describe fearlessness it's being comfortable regardless of the circumstance communicating your interpretation of the truth absolutely that's the way i think about it ross whether it's a ceo of the organization or a business leader or to an investor or a shareholder what is the correct number like if you have to report quarterly number to the street or to the investor and they are not good you should come up and say that these numbers are not good rather than saying that trying to hide a fact that these numbers are not good because of abc reason because in that way you are creating more problem for the organization i would say and you mentioned there are some of the key stakeholders for you being investors whether those are private or public investors or to the ceo in those scenarios it's of course when you've got a particular you've got to deliver a difficult message it's often about setting the right expectations and of course there's a balance there between offering optimism and and being positive but at the same time to your point being fearless about the facts on the ground how do you approach that tricky delicate topic of managing expectations particularly when it comes to investors if you are able to build your outlook or forecasting system in a better way that gives a comfort to the investors i will say whether it's a bad quarter or a good quarter if you are thinking that they it's going to be a bad quarter or so you communicate early saying that this is a bad quarter which is happening because of abc reason like if there is a covid and it's going to be a bad quarter have a call for an early meeting with the board of directors rather than saying that you will communicate that result after the quarter has ended 
and people know that there was a covid so the result would have been impacted so getting the expectation correct at the right point of time and communicating and making sure that the stakeholders are well informed at right point of time becomes very important how do you judge the right point of time because that's the perhaps the trickiest part of that just to give an example maybe uh, ross that when covid wave 1 happened this was april 20 our board meeting had happened in march 20 for example and uh, we felt that because the number of orders have dipped we said that why don't we convene board meeting and say that what are the things which are happening and inform the board about that to see so i am saying any deviation which is more than i will say plus minus 10% of your outlook i will say that's a even if it's a plus 10% i think make sure that people on the ground are aware what's happening in the company so that clearly implies that you place a lot of weight on the importance of having a very clear and robust outlook for all of the stakeholders in question absolutely so the idea is not to i will say be very optimistic or uh, very pessimistic i am saying we should be always a realistic try to approach and rather than saying that if there is a last minute surprise element which you can't counter that's totally okay you can't it's a future you can't predict everything if you can then you will be i think a wall street analyst and make th- millions and billions of dollars but i will say future is unpredictable for all of us but at the same time how you are able to mitigate risk which is trying to happen in future is the job of a good finance person i would say absolutely one area of course is always a, a topic of debate is that you are a very hard working cfo and, and leader who has like a, a, a huge array of responsibilities and, and as you said earlier on it depends on where you are in the quarter of the month you know how intense those are how do you go about managing your time effectively so that you're managing the business in the right way and you're making sure that the the commitments and the things of the business your your duties are are complete but at the same time giving like leaving space to offer strategic advice and also not slowing the organization down so how do you manage all of those responsibilities and manage your time to ensure you can do them all some days are very hectic some some days are not how you can plan better is the only way you can manage your days so some days are very planned one and some are very unplanned so it's about mapping the challenges whether and segregating them into whether those are in strategic in nature some are immediate concern in nature versus intermediate and finally maintaining on daily basis for the long haul things which you need, you need to do so if i look at my week or months so first few days are goes into what is a how the last month has been and how did we fare versus last month budget or outlook what we have planned for and what mistakes we have done and how we make sure that those mistakes are not repeated when we are preparing the next outlook or the next concerns from that matter similarly last few days goes into preparation of the next month when i say how we make and make sure that the current month we are able to beat the outlook what we have prepared for ourselves with the help again i am we are not the sales team but we may need to make sure that business teams are enabled with the requisite capacity to make sure that those things are able to achieve those numbers and how we can make next month better and from a planning perspective becomes very demanding from that perspective and there are certain things which are seasonal or cyclical in nature like internal audit or statutory audit so we plan that way that uh, those things are catered to when 
these are happening on time rather than I am planning for those things on a daily basis. So it sounds as if you've got uh, a very structured cadence of planning depending on like the 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 time and within the month of the quarter and then very much aligned to the rhythm of the business. That's correct. Because the way uh, you need to think about it is going back again to technology is unless you are able to automate technology with the help of technology or routine tasks, you will always caught up between doing your routine tasks versus strategic tasks. And as finance leaders, we will always try to focus on more strategy in nature rather than routine tasks. Absolutely. For others, whether it's your peers or perhaps it's the people who are early in their career who are, would aspire to become a VP of finance or a CFO, what advice would you have for them as they're looking to develop their career or, or develop as a CFO? This is my personal philosophy. I don't want people to get influenced by that. But I'll say designation is a piece which will come based on your years of experience. So chasing a designation, in my point of view, is a difficult task. Like you can become a CFO at 21 also, maybe for a small company versus if you are a CFO of, a, say, Amazon, for example, which is a trillion dollar economy. So the designation to me is all fancy words. Practically, the way I think about the role or the aspirations when I started my career, again, how I can make today better than yesterday is my clear philosophy I follow. And whether it's on personal grounds or on professional grounds for my team, for my organization and for myself, that's the clear philosophy I follow. What I learned today, today new, which will help me to make them better tomorrow is the thing I always focus upon rather than worrying about what I could have achieved in terms of monetary or the designation. It's amazing how many CFOs like you are so focused on that, on that growth and that learning. It seems to be a topic that uh, cuts across almost every, every leader we speak to. I think if you are not learning, you will be to become redundant, uh, Ross, whether you are a CFO or an executive. That's the way, unless you understand learn business, you understand technology, you understand what new changes is happening around you, something or the other will come and hit you. I will say learning is the only thing which you, which is constant in your life. You should continue to focus upon rather than focusing upon anything else. I think that's uh, very good advice. Rahul, thank you so much for joining us uh, on the show. You've offered some amazing insights. For any of our listeners that would like to go and connect with you afterwards, where's the best place for them to do that? I think LinkedIn is the best place because uh, I'm not so active on Facebook and Instagram. So I'm practically maybe more available on LinkedIn. Rahul, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Ross. It was always a pleasure to speak to you and thank you so much for your time. One last thing. If you have a question you'd love to ask a guest, visit cfoplaybook.fm and submit your question there. This show is brought to you by Soldo the brighter way to manage business spending and expenses. With Soldo, you can control every expense, track spend in real time, automate financial reporting, and then use those insights to fuel growth. Learn more at soldo.com.